0: Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk Podcast. Today is Saturday, May 16th, and I'm joined by my good buddy uh, from the 860 Santino Cocon. How are we doing
1: today, Sonny? It's beautiful out. Yeah, we're doing well. Uh, it's another beautiful day out here. I know last night we had thunderstorm, or, uh, thunderstorm and tornado warnings, and it was pretty crazy with the, the rain. But it's beautiful today, and I can't wait to <laughs> enjoy it after this. Yeah, absolutely. You can tell like tank top weather
0: uh, we go. That's New England. Uh, we go from, you know, raining and tornado warnings the night before to now it's about 78 degrees outside. Beautiful. Uh, looks like one of the best days of the year so far. So, uh, you know, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to get some beautiful days where, you know, going outside for a walk and stuff. Uh, it's it's one of the things that I, I took for granted before. And now I'm really thoroughly enjoying So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm, I'm looking to get out there. But uh, we're here today to continue our NFL breakdown. Uh we got a pretty interesting team, the Chargers. Uh, we're going to be talking about them, breaking them down from the draft. Uh, who's going to – we expect to kind of be starting quarterback this season for them. Uh, and a few good weapons that they've had, one that we're expecting to really break out and blow up and should be on everybody's radar if he's not already. So, uh, you know, we'll just jump right into it, Santino. we got a lot to get to. We try to keep these shows under an hour or so. That can generally get off the rails when it's you and I, though. So we know we know that. So we're going to try to keep this one on track. Uh, I'll jump right into it. Just kind of go over some of their numbers offensively and defensively from last season uh, and their overall record. So the Chargers were five and 11 last season. Uh, They lost six of their last seven games, though. So the wheels really fell off towards the end for them. Offensively, uh, take everything that we say offensively right now with a grain of salt because they lost their starting running back and their starting quarterback. Both those positions change for them, but they were 10th uh, ranked in total yards with 5,879, 21st ranked in total points scored, 337 passing. Uh, they ranked 10th in attempts, 597. Uh, 6th in yards, 4,426, 17th in touchdowns with 24, and 29th uh, in interceptions with 20. Rushing, uh, this is where they kind of struggled, was getting in between the tackles. 28th on the ground with 366 attempts, 28th in yards as well with 1,453 yards on the ground, 20th in overall touchdowns uh, with 12, and they ranked 23rd in yards per attempt with 4.0. So You know, obviously, the rushing yards, Melvin Gordon being there, and a lot of those passing yards, it was Phillip Rivers. So uh, we'll go into the defense, though, and pretty much uh, almost an identical defense that they're bringing back, except for a few new uh, noteworthy additions. Uh, And they were solid. They were rock solid all season long in defense, and that was kind of what anchored their team. Uh, Sixth in total yards, with allowing five thousand and nine total yards. They ranked 14th in points allowed at 345 as far as passing goes, defense. First uh, in in pass attempts against them, 464. So teams were a little bit more cautious uh, throwing. And uh, when we look at the the yards, um, 3,204 yards allowed in the air. That's fifth best in the NFL. Touchdowns allowed in the air, 21, ranking eighth. And interceptions, the uh, 11 interceptions total, uh, 22nd best. And on the ground, 21st in uh, rushing attempts. So they uh, 429 rushing attempts against them. 18th in total yards on the ground against them 1,805 uh, touchdowns on the ground against them 15 to, uh, that ranked 21st and then yards per attempt against them was 4.2 uh, ranked 15th. So uh, we talked about a few noteworthy additions on defense and some subtractions on offense and just a little bit overall. Uh, but why don't you break down some of those additions, subtractions,
1: coaching staff, uh, hit us with some of the good stuff over there, Santino. Yeah. So on offense, we, we know that they lost Melvin Gordon. he, Missed a huge chunk of last season anyway because uh, the whole holdout thing, but now he's officially gone, uh, and they lost their franchise quarterback, Phillip Rivers, who's been there for years now. He was the face of the franchise. Uh, now they're moving to L.A., and they have a new face of the franchise. We'll get to him soon, but Justin Herbert. Um, on defense, they only mainly lost two big guys. Uh, they let go of Thomas Davis, and they lost Brown at linebacker position. But on the flip side, they replaced those two linebackers with uh, Vigil and Jefferson. So you uh, know an upgrade there. Um, offensively, they added two two guys to the line. You might know Trey Turner from Carolina. And they added a big left tackle in Brian Beluga, who is going to probably anchor this offensive line. And that's a huge addition for them. As long as he's healthy, uh, that's a, that's a big upgrade for this line that sometimes struggled. And um, they also added two other stars. uh Linval Joseph to their defensive line. And the biggest offseason addition, in my opinion, is going to add even more to this top five, top 10 pass defense in Chris Harris Jr. Uh, You pair him up with Casey Hayward, and that's two lockdown corners. Uh, I'm going to fade most people going against the Chargers on their pass offense. Uh, Chris Harris likes the slot. So there is a possibility that a number two wide receiver could blow up on that in this, but yeah, th- those are their big ads and they, they address some concerns there. Um, and what I want to do is talk about the coaching staff a little bit. You broke down all their numbers and uh, the coaching staff is, is pretty much the same coaching staff they had last year, uh, especially at head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, head coaches. Uh, Anthony Lynn, again, is his fourth year as the coach uh, last year. And in, in the last three years, as, coach of the chargers um, i almost said san diego i <laughs> still used to it but as, as the coach of the Charger, chargers he's been top 10 in pass yards all three years uh, as a passing offense and top 10 in defensive pass yards against all three years again it shows uh it's, it's very weird you can you can run on this team and but you can't really pass on them um they brought in he's not a new offensive coordinator but he took over the job in week nine last year kind of when uh, Mel, melvin gordon returned but um Shane Steichen, he's going to be the offensive coordinator full-time this year. Last year, they were top five passing offense in net yards per game when this guy was under center or as the offensive coordinator. Um, they were top five in pass yards and top five in pass yards per attempt. Uh, when In their rush offense, when Shane took over as, as the offensive coordinator, they improved by 42.6 yards per game. Most of that's going to be attributed to getting back Melvin Gordon, obviously a support supremely talented back um, but that's the third highest increase in the NFL when this guy took over the job so that's something to keep an eye on and then Gus Bradley's their defensive coordinator um, he's been a top 10 pass defense it's it's a theme in this in, in, in this team all three years on uh, the last two years he's been a top 10 in yards against so it's it's not a defense you really want to attack but um, especially without a Rivers who has the tendency to turn the ball over a lot it's uh, and, and give up unfavorable positions to the defense. It's something that we want to keep an eye on. Yeah, you said a whole lot of good stuff there. I mean, you, you touched on the addition at left tackle.
0: That was one of their weak spots. When you talk about, you know, Rivers' turnovers, a lot of that was this guy was under pressure uh, constantly. He always seemed like he was tucking and throwing um, last season. So that I think that's probably one of the bigger additions. And then you talk about on the defensive side, Chris Harris, notorious lockdown corner. Um, you talk about an already picture-perfect secondary, getting one of the best corners in the league. You're, we're not targeting them often in the, in the secondary. And, um, as far as, you know, when you, when you touched on the change in the uh, offensive coordinator mid season and how the rushing, um, uh, you know, completely changed after that. Yeah. I think a lot of that could be attributed to Melvin Gordon. Um, I also think a lot of it's attributed to Winston hunt when, uh, you know, he's always been a guy that airs it out. He's been notoriously known to air it out. And then once you see that immediate change, we saw, you know, obviously Melvin Gordon did have a big impact, but they focused on the running game a lot more. And I think that was part of the reason for the change is that they couldn't establish a running game early on in the the season uh, and really struggled with it. And, you know, we could say Melvin Gordon, Melvin Gordon, but Eckler is pretty good in between the tackles himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, You know, career stats, yard per carry has always been up there. I think last season was his lowest yards per carry. But that could also be because of that offensive line and just the the run scheme. I mean, a lot of teams probably shied away from him. They didn't stack the box against him too often because they were throwing three quarters of the time. So um, that's a lot of good stuff you said right there. And I I think that's just a perfect segue to start talking about uh, this quarterback battle that we're going to see early on. Um, So we know that they took Herbert six overall. Uh, We know that that's probably mostly attributed to the fact that this team's kind of built ready to compete right now. Uh, The Chargers understand that they're not going to have probably a top six or top seven pick for the next few years if this defense can stay the way it is. And they pretty much have locked down a lot of their offensive weapons for a little bit, too. So uh, they couldn't pass up on Herbert. It's a guy that they wanted to say. Now, me and you, I think, are both in agreement with that. We do not think that they're going to throw him into the fire. Uh, simply because they have a very capable starting quarterback already on the roster and we're going to start with him and that's Tyrod Taylor. So Tyrod really no numbers to go off of last season, the year prior, not a lot of numbers to go off of either a uh, little time in Cleveland, but we'll talk about his 2017 season. And I think that's, you know, the, probably the best sample size that we can go off of. Cause that's the last time that he was actually a starting quarterback, uh, started 14 games for him, went eight and six for the bills. Uh, He's 30 years old this season, too. So uh, I'll break down his numbers real quick from the 2017 season while he was in Buffalo, where he had four hundred and twenty pass attempts for two hundred and sixty three completions. That's a sixty two point six completion ratio or percentage for two thousand seven hundred ninety nine yards. This is probably going to be your favorite stat here, Santino, and it should be everybody's favorite stat a fourteen to four touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, And he actually led the league in interception percentage. Uh, Only dead even one percent of his passes were interceptions. So, you know, he's he's a very smart decision. He's maybe not the most accurate quarterback. And I think that's a very misleading thing when people see, you know, a touchdown interception ratio doesn't mean necessarily mean you're the most accurate quarterback, but he's a great decision maker. He knows when to tuck. He's not necessarily a guy that's afraid to run he's not going to be lamar jackson but he knows when to run when to tuck it and when to throw the ball away and that's i think something very important uh and he was 89.2 was his qbr and then we'll talk about the ground numbers because he is effective on the ground 84 rushing attempts that season for 427 yards four touchdown averaged 5.1 yards per attempt so i know you're a big tyrod taylor guy um you know and i think like I said, off the rip, we're both in agreement that he should probably be the starter and it's going to be his job until he loses it. But why don't you break down some of your expectations for him and what it would be if he, let's say, started all 16 games?
1: Yeah, so um, he's, he should start, especially with what we think will be a shortened or abbreviated offseason, which it already is starting to look like that. Uh, Justin Herbert just not going to get the playbook, not going to get the reps and not going to get the practice time in this offense to uh, familiarize himself to start day one. Tayrod Taylor is was on the, this team last year, so he is familiar. Um, but it's kinda, it's funny because it's a similar situation to where he struggled uh, two years prior in Cleveland. First round draft pick at quarterback. Uh, he's the bridge option. He knows that, and uh, will he will he be better? I think this is going to be a little bit different for him. Um, he still, he struggled during his time in Cleveland, but he still had them at a one, 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 and one record. I mean, it, it's pretty much been the park for, of for the course. Every time this guy starts uh, his career record in Buffalo, those three seasons prior was 22 and 20. He got them into the playoffs when they haven't been there in years before. Um, he's a solid, if not spectacular option at QB, who is capable of winning games um, and leading a team to the playoffs as he did. If, I, I personally want him to start all 16 games because it's better for fantasy. It's better for his fantasy game than Herbert's because, as you mentioned, he uh, he's very risk averse. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot, and he has that potential on the ground. If you look at all three three years he started in Buffalo, he's been he was a top 15 fantasy quarterback every year. Uh, that's not saying he's great, but that's not saying that's not bad. A lot, a lot of people don't even have can't say that um, distinction. And that's especially a guy that, especially in DFS, you are going, he's going to be among the bottom five, bottom 10 price range at quarterback. And you're no, you know, you're going to get upside on that. Uh, he's probably the most unsexy name in fantasy at the quarterback position. Um, but he's cheap and he's very underrated because of that, because he can score the ball. He can get, he gets you those extra points on the ground that he doesn't get through the air and running and quarterbacks that can run, uh, you get more points when you're running than, than your pass yards. So he's very – to me, I want him to start all 16 games because you're going to get a steal for him, especially in the beginning of the year. I think uh, – yeah, I was going to say I think 3,000 yards passing is well within his realm if he if he gets 16 games. I say 3,500, 3,600 yards passing and another 500, 600 yards on the ground uh, with probably around 17 to 20 touchdowns passing and 6 to 10 on the ground, uh, that that's – a fantasy friendly quarterback right there that you're not going to have to pay up for at all.
0: He's I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think those are really, really relative numbers that we can actually almost expect considering how much better his weapons will be considered, you know, considering what he had in Buffalo when he was playing over there. Uh, I think he had, you know, half a season of Sammy Watkins every single year, because <laughs> we know he wasn't playing 16 and outside of that, not much. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the weapons he has. I think one thing that we could and I wanted to ask your opinion on this and they'll have something in their playbook that they didn't really have last season. I think that they can really use is going to be just being able to run a couple of options. Uh, Philip Rivers is not an option type quarterback. Uh, there is no fear of him and his legs. He kind of runs like a newborn deer. Uh, it's, it's not the, it's not the prettiest thing. So now they can actually run these options knowing that they have a very effective pass catching running back in Austin Eckler. They have a guy that can roll it out himself if he knows the play is not there and they have so many good explosive receiving weapons. So I'm kind of looking forward to how they can utilize that. And if they're going to bring in some run pass options for him, I think 500 yards on the ground is is rock solid expectation. Um, Yeah. So and then, you know, I I agree. I think it's all 16 games and it would only do a benefit for Herbert, giving him that entire season to kind of learn that playbook, uh, get some practice reps in and listen, there's going to be some instances where it's Tyrod Taylor. He might go down for a game or two and Herbert can step in there and kind of, you know, get that starting nod real fast. But. It's a very slippery slope when you let a guy, you know, come in there, sixth overall pick, expectations. He already saw the job yanked out from him in Cleveland. But that is Baker Mayfield we we're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's the first overall pick. You know, you, you, there's pressure there. There's not as much pressure to, you know, yank your guy for the sixth overall pick. That seems like a great spot to let this dude learn, uh, especially knowing that in the 21, 2021 season, um, they're going to have a lot of names on the block that could be leaving. So. Uh, yeah. We'll jump right into Justin Herbert, sixth overall pick, six uh, six kid. Um, He was probably one of the best college comeback quarterbacks that we could talk about. I mean, he led a lot of fourth quarter drives. I'll get breakdown his numbers real fast for us, though. 428 attempts for 286 completions, 66.8 completion percentage for 3,471 yards. That's 8.1 yards per attempt. 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, 156.8 QBR, uh, four rushing touchdowns. Most of those came in the final uh, two games. He didn't really rush too much. Um, you know, some things that I kind of notice about him and it's that he does have legs. He didn't use them all throughout his four years in college. He really just started, uh, using them, Like I said, in the last two games, he ran a four six eight forty. uh, the dude's six, six, and he's pretty quick, Sonny. Um, I did not expect that when I was kind of looking up his numbers and breaking them down. Um, and I think something else very notable is how much of an impact he had immediately. Uh, I mean, he was 19 and four, uh, I mean, at a 19 and four touchdown to interception ratio as a true freshman. So, you know, a guy that is not necessarily he has an arm. He has a big arm, doesn't take a lot of chances, doesn't doesn't throw downfield too, too often struggled when he threw downfield. He, he kind of misses some of those big throws, uh, but he's a very good game manager. It seems like right off the rip. He's a guy that does make some smart throws here and there. He's not afraid to check down uh, short completion type of guy. But why don't you talk about some things that you would expect from Herbert? You know, let's say opposite glass, you know, Tyrod Taylor starts one and three. How would that affect the offense in, as a whole? Um, and what you're expecting from him once he does, or if he does get that starting nod.
1: Yeah. So if, if the team's losing, obviously they have more incentive to play Herbert. Um, I'm hoping it's a different case because I, I would rather have Tyrod Taylor for being greedy in fantasy. Um, but yeah, Herbert's a big prototypical size at, at quarterback six, six that that's just a massive specimen. Um, he, he, in college, he, he got better every year, which is something that's, it's, you want you want to see when you're a a young quarterback uh he recognized the defense really well and he he made the right reads a lot of the time like you said he didn't have the biggest arm uh, but he has a big arm if he needs it um he's he's pretty fluid in his motions and uh the the one factor that i i kept hearing about it is uh he's going to be playing in la in in the chargers they need a new face of the franchise um they're they relatively don't have a fan base at that at the moment, there that the Rams kind of stole their thunder going to the, the, the Super Bowl when they all moved. Um, but this guy is supposedly an introvert, and I don't know how that'll play in, in L.A. Because as we know, the La La Land is—you need to have a big personality if you play in, in New York or L.A. or even Chicago. Uh, any of these major markets, they want you—they want people who who just go out there and uh, can the, the fans can love. Uh, we'll see how that that factors into it, but. Uh, if, if this guy comes out and, and produces right out of the gate, then de- he's going to—everybody's going to uh, everybody's gonna gravitate towards him. I mean, his only competition in L.A. would be Jared Goff now, and uh, we know what Jared Goff is pretty much. But Justin Herbert is that big size, and uh, not too many rookies go into a, in a team that has weapons around you. Uh, we meant, we're meant we going to get to Austin Eckler, this receiving core. They have Keenan Allen's a top 15 wide receiver. Uh, every year he's healthy. Uh, Mike Williams is a big dude. Hunter Henry is a top 10 tight end. Uh, there's a lot of weapons for him to succeed if he does. If he played, a, say he played a full 16 games, I can see him putting up uh, over 3,500 yards. I mean, 3,000 yards really isn't that much anymore, and that's it's very easy. I can see him doing similar to uh, Daniel Jones without the turnovers and without the the attempts because this team wants to play to their strength, which is their pass defense. Uh, they struggled against the run, but if they can control the ball, they want you, they want to slow down the game, have a grind it out, battle it out, uh, 2017 type games to win. And I think he could be able to game manage. He won't be asked to to lead the, lead the team to wins. Kind of like Phillip Rivers had to do a lot, but he won't, he'll be able to play to his strengths and make the right reads. Just like Tyrod Taylor, I think will be able to do as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, I think that's, that's, probably exactly what they'd be expecting from them uh this is a team that wants to play with a lead right now let's be real they have one of the best pass defenses in the nfl um they want you to throw against them i know i see you laughing and that, yep, that's my uh, that's my wonderful girlfriend in the background uh one bedroom apartment santino so, you know so there's one office and you know happy wife happy life she generally runs yeah. the show uh, I'm not I'm not afraid to own that one right there so I, I get I get segregated to the living room and uh that's that's where I am forced to stay at this point so uh I practically live in here I got my own setup in the living room on the coffee on the coffee table but uh nice. I, <laughs> it works <laughs> uh yeah I read the same thing about Herbert though he's not he was never very a uh, vocal guy in the locker room a lot of uh a lot of his teammates have said that he's very hush hush very quiet guy kind of just goes out there and does his business uh and I also read that he had he had a little bit of footwork issues as well um that was something that was notable so it, it, those are the things that you you know you're okay with when you take a guy like that and you have a capable quarterback in front of him it might have been a little bit more of a factor if they were expecting him to start right now and i think that's kind of indicative to what we can expect they're not expecting him to start right now uh but we'll keep we'll keep it moving and you, you touched on him you, you said his name austin eckler one of the guys i was most excited to talk about when i saw that we were going to be breaking down the chargers because i think um, you know, he's, he's becoming a household name. Uh, if you're a fantasy player, if you're a DFS player, uh, he's definitely somebody that we could see probably com- compete as a top five back this season. Uh, overall back is a three down back. Uh, last season we'll break down his, his attempts rushing. And I think we have to almost kind of break it into two categories and it's receiving because there's not many guys that can do what he does. Um, Only 132 rushing attempts last season. A lot of that cut short by Melvin Gordon ending his holdout coming back for 557 yards, three touchdowns, averaged 4.2 yards per carry. Believe it or not, still pretty good, but one of the lower marks of his career. And then receiving, had 108 targets, 92 receptions, 993 yards, eight touchdowns. Uh, He averaged 62.1 yards per game receiving, uh, and that's 9.2 I'm sorry. Let me make sure I read that right. My sevens look like twos. (laughs) 9.2 yards per target. Uh, 27 total broken tackles. Played 57% of the snaps. And uh, again, I'll touch on Melvin Gordon's numbers just so you guys can get that into comparison. Uh, Eckler had 132 carries. Gordon had 162 carries for 612 yards, eight touchdowns. So, uh, I think, you know, where we're getting at in this, now let's, I'll pass it over to Santino and let him say um, I'm expecting a big season, a big season from Austin Eckler, especially knowing that they are kind of transitioning from a pass heavy offense to more of like a rush heavy offense right now. Um, it, it's it just seems like it's the way that they're going with the young quarterback and Tyrod Taylor, not a big pass
1: volume type guy. I'm excited about this guy. Santino, how are you feeling about him? I mean, you said he's. You think he's a top five back? He was the number seven running back last year, so it's not far off. And and there was Melvin Gordon for half the season, uh, so I, I I know I'm excited about him as well. But I know that everybody else is going to be excited about him also. It's not going to be one of those things that just creep up on you. And if it does, uh, I don't know <laughs> where you've been the last got year. Yeah, your and head a half. buried in yeah, sand. Yeah. Uh, but last in 2018, uh, before he be, became the starter for a few games, uh, he had. 958 scrimmage yards on 145 touches. That's awesome. And then last year, 1,550 scrimmage yards on 224 touches and 17 touchdowns combined in those two years. This guy can get in the end zone. As, as a part-time player as well, 17 touchdowns, That that's nothing to sneeze at. So you know that his floor, he had 11 touchdowns last year. His floor is probably double-digit touchdowns. Um, a ton of receptions. You said it, 92 catches on 108 targets. That's over 85% catch rate. Wow. Uh, this guy, he he went from a five or he is a five, 10, 200 two hundred pound smaller shifty scat back, but uh, he's going to get a heavy workload this year. And even even if he didn't get that heavy workload, even if Melvin Gordon's still there, he's still a top fifteen option. Uh, like he he is a very good player. He's he's pretty much James White, but a lot better, and who can actually run the ball as well in between the tackles. Um, and and that's going to be someone that you're going to have to pay up for this year. Maybe. The first couple of weeks of the season in DFS, his price is low because no one's catching on to it yet. And if that's the case, he's going to be in all my lineups because that's just someone I know that has a safe floor. He's going to get a lot of touches, um, and he's very, very productive with those touches, whether it's through the ground, through the air. He scored touchdowns in in both of those scenarios. Um, but yeah, you mentioned it. He played only 57% of the snaps total last year. A lot of room to to jump that into at least the 70s, and he was already a top 10 back. I mean, uh, with the playing time increase and, and more roles rolls prob- or more touches, probably a feature role without Gordon, uh, the sky's the limit for this guy. He could easily jump into the top five, like you said. He wasn't far out of it last year and only 200 and uh, how many touches? Just a little over 200. Yeah, this, this guy is someone you want to target early and often before his price range jumps through the roof.
0: Um, absolutely, and I think he's probably a guy that is way more valuable in DraftKings, where it's a PPR site. Um, let's just—it's bottom line. Um, but you hit the nail on the head, dude. It's there's not a lot of competition behind him. We'll get to Justin Jackson. You're going to talk about him in a minute, but you know Justin Jackson's not a guy that they're going to you know make sure he gets his. There's a reason why they let Melvin Gordon walk. Um, they had this kid behind him, and they. They gave him some money. Uh, you know, they plan on using him. He's going to be the probably the biggest focal point of their offense when we're talking about the most fantasy sustainable option week in and week out. And he, he works in any sort of game script as well. If they playing from behind, you know, he's going to get his receiving workload. If they're playing from ahead, he's going to grind out the clock. Um, I would expect eight touchdowns, possibly more on the ground, probably another five or six in the air. Um this kid's an absolute stud. We're looking at probably close to two thousand all purpose yards. We just saw McCaffrey do that last season, one of the only running backs that was able to do that. Um, and this guy's gonna step right in there and has a chance to do better than what McCaffrey just did. Uh, and I'm just yeah. coming from a panther fan. I would not be shocked if he has a better season than McCaffrey did last season. And just think about how good McCaffrey was for DFS yeah. and for fantasy. We're talking about a guy that averaged, I think, at least five point seven or six more fantasy points per game than the the number two running back. Um, I'm I think sky's the limit for him. I said top five before we got on air. I said top three, and I just said right now I wouldn't be shocked if he's the best running back for fantasy and for DFS uh, this
1: season. So um, I I love him. I did um, say it enough. I'm a little. I don't think he's gonna score over 20 touchdowns like you, like McCaffrey did last year and get That's, 2,400 yeah. scrimmage yards. But I, I mean, I see what uh, where you're coming from. I or may, I think McCaffrey had 19. But I see where you're coming from. He he should be if he gets this workload, which we expect he should be getting. Uh, he should be a top five back uh, that you're not. You're looking at names, and if you put, if you go by name value and who is the sexiest of those names, kind of like I mentioned, Tyrod Taylor, he's not going to be in the top 10 for you. But if you go on production and expected production and uh, a guy who's really not going to get out of the lineup if he's producing because he is that third down back, and if he's producing in between the tackles, uh, I kind of like Justin Jackson. But if he's producing in between the tackles, he's going to get that workload. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably a top 20 pick in season-long leagues. DFS. I'm going to target him early and often until that price jumps up to a Christian McCaffrey-like level or the top five price range, which it's probably going to if if he starts off this hot yeah and
0: it's worth mentioning that they play the Bengals week one um very easy (laughs) matchup so that's the kind of matchup that we can easily see him just grinding out the clock because they're going to have the lead uh it's going to be a very very tough walk in for joe burrows uh to go against the secondary so i'm not expecting a whole lot from the Bengals. i expect to pretty much be a blowout like a i would say like one of those 34 to 7 type games (laughs) but uh we'll see and then they get the chiefs in week two so that's a game where he's going to be probably targeted early and often and have a lot of volume in the in the the passing attack there so um you know we'll, we'll we'll transition to justin jackson you were just talking about uh liking him uh definitely going to see a bigger role in this offense this season with melvin gordon down uh or gone i'm sorry but now you know a guy that he's clearly the number two back but he's going to be involved I, I just talked about how this team wants to run a little bit more this season how they're probably transitioning more from a pass heavy team to more of a 50 50 split if not 60 40
1: rushing um so why don't you talk about justin jackson a little bit and what you're expecting from him um, yeah, so I I expect a bigger role this year for him, obviously. Uh, last year, we thought the same thing when Gordon was holding out, but he missed his chance. He got hurt, and then he was just ineffective, and Eklar went off that first game with four touchdowns and uh, just took the job and, and the bull by the horns there. Um, but again, no, no Gordon. He should have a, a decent role. Last year, he had 29 carries, but nine of them were first downs. Uh, so he, he has the ability to get those short yardage situations and he might be the goal line back here. Um, he's not a big guy, but he's, he's similar to Austin Eckler size. I think he's five nine or no, he's uh six foot one ninety nine, So pretty much similar size. Um, but he could take a lot of the, between the tackle stuff. If he starts off hot, I, I think, I, I think he's going to get overlooked. And in season long leagues, he's a guy I'm going to look at DFS not really. Uh, I want to see him in his role first and foremost. See uh, Maybe in the game, like you mentioned, the first week of the season against the Bengals, which yep. we expect them to blow out those the Bengals. Justin, or, uh, uh, Burrow's not going to really have a g- good team to throw against in his first game when Casey Hayward and Chris Harris mm-hmm. Jr. on the side. So maybe Justin Jackson gets some extra work and garbage time. But I wouldn't sleep on him. Uh, in, in two seasons, he has 406 total yards rushing. Not anything to sneeze at, or not anything that you're gonna wow you. But 200 yards of that 406 have come after contact. So this guy is a break. He can break tackles. He's a big bruiser with elusive ability, and um, that's someone you want when you're you're running down the clock, or and you're you're controlling the ball. You want to hit the defense in the mouth. You want to every every play. You want to hit him and hit him and hit him. And this is a guy who more so than Austin Eckler, who could do that and um i just think he's he had he is pretty good upside if he gets the chance i'm not going to go actively target him he's not a guy i'm going to reach for in season long leagues but he's a guy i would wouldn't be surprised if he if he had a pretty good season and uh, then there's they brought in Josh Kelly i i don't really see him competing much maybe he'll mix here and there on first and second down but he's another he's probably going to mix in with Justin Jackson one of those two could take over um get more of the playing time but Austin Eckler is hands down the number one guy on this team, and then everybody else is going to fill in be- behind that. If they have good seasons, yeah, they'll get some extra carries because this team wants to control the ball. But if Austin Eckler is doing his thing, as he's been doing the last two years, it's going to be him. Can you just say Eckler uh, for me one more time? Eckler.
0: Yeah, Eckler. Yeah, I like right. it. Eckler. <laughs> General Akbar like General Akbar uh all right I, I left like that a flat uh, That was a Well flat. Uh, yeah we don't have we don't have, I got to get the the soundboard where I can get the the studio laugh going that would that probably help me out a little bit more I don't I know you're not going to give me the studio laughs uh you you love to let me know when one of my jokes fall flat <laughs> But uh we'll we'll transition right into the right into the receivers cuz yeah I I'm I'm kind of with you I mean Kelly's probably going to have like a role that Jackson had last season at at best unless Jackson just Falls flat on his face, completely struggles, or one of these running backs get hurt is probably the only way that we're going to really see, uh, see a lot of field times for him. Um, not a guy that had a real great profile either coming into the draft. So uh, we'll go right into the number one option, Keenan Allen. Last season, He's just... You know, as sure as it's going to be a hot day in Texas, is Keenan Allen's going to be just their go-to receiver? Uh, he moves the chains for him. He's been Philip Rivers' favorite target for the past few seasons when he's healthy. Last season, target machine, 149 targets for 104 receptions, uh, 1,199 yards. Probably would have expected a few more yards for him, but that's mostly I think uh, due to Philip Rivers getting sacked and not being pressured. I mean, this guy had no, no real time to throw. A lot of the routes were designed short throws just to kind of get six, seven yards, uh, six touchdowns, 69.8 catch uh, percentage. A guy notably known for his hands uh, did have seven drops last season. Um, out of his 1199 yards, 374 of those came after the catch. And then uh, he was one of their best red zone threats as well. He had uh, 20 red zone targets for 13 catches. So uh, what do you, I mean, I, I don't know if we <laughs> could say much about Keenan Allen, um, what we're expecting from the season, probably what we're expecting from him every season. I would say maybe we could take into account a little less volume um, just because I think all the receivers are going to have a little, a little less volume, but he's still going to be the best target uh, in the air for them. But uh, anything else you want to add about Keenan Allen?
1: Yeah, I mean. The the one thing Philip Rivers it, he was his guy. I ex- I expect him to be the number one option again. Uh, he's, he's been a top fifteen wide receiver the last three years. Uh, a reliable as they come. Pro Bowler the last three years. Taking in. You mentioned his stats last year. That's pretty much core of his a- his averages over those three Pro Bowl seasons. 148 targets is his average. Uh, 101 receptions, 1263 yards, six touchdowns. I mean, yeah, this this guy is very good. Last year he had 10 games with double digit targets. I don't know mm-hmm. if we'll see that again this year if they if they play their the style of play that they kind of want to do. Um, but if they have to ear it out, and, and that's something that they might have to do if they're giving up a ton of yards on the ground, because that's something that they struggled with. Uh, I, I see him getting uh, all, all those targets again. He is the the chain mover on this team. He is the guy in between the twenties. He's not going to be the red zone option. He he never is, but uh, he's an elite possession guy, and he's he's somehow he's always open. He always got open for Philip Philip Rivers, and uh, I think Robert. Tyrod Taylor or and Justin Herbert are going to love how he gets open for them as well. I mean, yeah, he's, I, I think he's one of the best route runners in the
0: league. Um, I think that makes it so easy for him to get open. He's always been a great route runner. So, um, you know, I wouldn't call him a complete no-show in the red zone. 20 red zone targets was one of the, you know, team high. So, the, you know, I think a lot of that was attributed to Mike Williams' struggles, which we'll, we'll also get to in a minute. Um, but, y- you know, we, you hit it. It's copy and paste for Keenan Allen for <laughs> every season production. You just hit copy, you hit paste. That's what you're projecting is what he gets every single season. Uh, just the go-to guy. But Mike Williams, um, a little bit of a different story. Kind of a guy I'm excited to talk about because I think there's some underlying things that a lot of people are going to overlook. Uh, big guy. Big guy. It's going to it's be his third season. Um Ran a four big four Mike nine Williams. big Mike <laughs> Williams. Six four. Six four guy ran a four four nine, so he does have some speed too. Uh, he had ninety targets last season, Santino, but only forty-nine receptions for good amount of yards though. Uh, one yard over the thousand mark, one thousand and one yards. Uh, and this is the, the unique stat. He he led the league in yards per reception, uh, twenty point yeah. four um, only two touchdowns, which is surprising. I think a lot of people were expecting more considering he had 10 in 2018, uh, 54.4 catch percentage, only 187 yards after the catch, which I thought was a little surprising when I started looking at his numbers, 18, eight, which leaves 814 yards before the catch. And, uh, I wanted to talk about the red zone because that was you know 10 touchdowns 2018. I don't want to steal all the thunder with the fun stats, so I'll, I'll, mm. I'll throw them over to you in a second. Uh, but he had 16 red zone targets last season, only three red zone catches for 18.75 uh, red zone catch percentage, one of the worst considering how many targets he had. Um, the year prior, though, this is the year that we, I think this is what we're going to be indicative of. This is like the telltale stat is that I think we're going to get back to some normalcy this season. In 2018 – 15 red zone targets. So one less red zone target than he had in 2019 for eight receptions, seven touchdowns, 53.3%. So he could do it. He struggled last season. Um, Again, I think a lot of this pass offense, you know, while they put up good numbers, they could have been so much better. Uh, Phillip rivers, turned the ball over a lot and he was under pressure for majority of the season as well. Um, And a lot of that's also because they had to play from behind. So a lot of forced throws, but Um, I broke down the numbers, and I want to hear what you think about Mike Williams. What are you expecting, more of a 2018 Mike Williams or more of a 2019 Mike Williams?
1: Uh, I'm expecting kind of the 2018 version of him. Uh, I know his rookie year he had zero touchdowns. Last year he had two. 2018 he had 10. I think he is the most reliable. He should be the most reliable red zone option on this team. He's the biggest guy. He can jump. Uh, And as you mentioned, he's a speed guy. He led the league. He was tied for the league lead with eight. 40 or plays of 40 plus yards. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, 17 plays over 20 yards. He is a big play guy, but again, they're not going to have Philip Rivers throwing the ball 600 times this year. They're having Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert who won't ear it out as much as Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers is never shy about taking his chances, even if his arm can't reach there. Um, But I don't expect him to the thousand yards. I would expect him to do it if Phillip Rivers was there, but in this new offense, I think 1,000 yards is harder for him. But those two touchdowns, that's an aberration. So is the zero. He was hurt his rookie year. Uh, I think he's going to be more of the the touchdown maker, less of the big playmaker this year because of it. But I wouldn't be shocked if he still had uh, like five, six plays over 40 yards because he is a burner. He could get behind the defense, and we know Keenan Allen uh, usually doesn't do that. But and, and then they have Henry, Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler underneath. They need someone to stretch the field and he's the guy to do it. But, yeah, I, I think he's going to get closer to 10 touchdowns this year as well. He's just that big. And th- there's a lot of times it's, it's just different. You, big players sometimes struggle in the red zone from year to year. Uh, I think he got his struggles out last year. And, and this year is, is the year that he's going to jump back up into being a phenomenal red zone target. And it could have just been because early on in the season when before they had Henry back, it
0: was transparent who the red zone target was. You know what I mean? You said it yourself. Keenan Allen's a great route runner. He's a slant guy. He's a button hook kind of guy. He's not the guy that's going to pull defenses. So and not notably, you know, their biggest red zone target, especially when you look at teams after that 2018 season, kind of game scripting how the Chargers offense was going to work. It's not it's not a secret that there's this six four receiver that they have that caught 10 touchdowns last season. Let's keep an eye on that
1: guy. Um, and, yeah, and they didn't have Melvin Gordon for the first handful of games, too. And it's it's another option. You don't have to stack the box. Uh, Austin Eckler, as good as he is, and he gets in the end zone, he's a small guy when you get down to the red zone. Uh, there's not a lot of room to operate for a smaller guy like that. So yeah, the defense is focused on Mike Williams, especially early in that year.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I'm expecting more of a 2018. I think you hit the nail on the head, less yards, more touchdowns. I think that's what we can expect. Um, you know, 600 pass attempts from Philip Rivers. I would expect, uh, regardless of who's that quarterback for this team, probably more of like that 450 to 480 range. Um, is probably where I have maybe 500, but I, I would not expect over 500 passing attempts for this team as a total offense. And when you're talking about hundred less pass attempts, uh, even if it's a 50% completion ratio, that's 50 less catches to go around in yeah. that offense. So we, I think we could definitely expect those numbers to hop up. We want touchdowns more than yards anyway. Yeah. He would take 700, 800 yards if he's getting six or seven more touchdowns, exactly. uh, uh, you know, that's perfect.
1: We'll take that all and, day long. And we, we got to expect, I mean, if this team isn't competitive and they're getting beat and beat and beat, I don't think that's the case because the defense is very good. But if they can't, if they're not competitive, then, yeah, they're going to throw more passes. But a competitive team with two quarterbacks that aren't known or won't air it out, you have a rookie and one guy who's never aired it out really in his career. You don't want your you we don't expect going into the season that they're going to be an air out team, even though um, Anthony Lynn has shown it throughout his career that he he's top 10 in pass yards or passing attempts all three years, but, um, this team is built a little bit different and and we get that and we have to prepare for that unless it changes, unless, uh, Joey Bosa or Casey Hayward, people go down on this defense and then they're playing from behind a lot. Then maybe we'll change our thought, but going into the year, this is a team that's not going to air it out as much.
0: Yeah. I think that's to, to be expected. Um, All right. I I mean, I'm again with Mike Williams, probably a guy that's more fan duel than DK. He's not a possession receiver. He's not a PPR kind of guy necessarily. You're looking at those three, four catch games occasionally have probably like a five catch game here and there. But he's going to mostly, like you said, produce with the catches, uh, either whether it be, you know, his 20.4 yards per reception. If he gets three or four of them, he can still get you to 80 into 100 yards or he's going to be the red zone target. So definitely a guy to keep on your radar. A lot of people tend to go towards and gravitate towards those number one receivers. But when you talk about talent level of a number two receiver, you know, we touched on I think you touched on the Falcons, Calvin Ridley, uh, Mike Williams right there as far as talent level when you're talking about a great number two he's probably one of the better number twos um at a young age uh you know we, we we have some of these other stacked receiving cores around the league but when we talk about a you know youth and young he's probably one of the better guys in that kind of category so we'll transition to the uh to everyone's favorite shiny toy late in the season for Dio. best that's hunter henry When he came back, played 12 games last season, 76 targets, 55 receptions for 652 yards, five touchdowns, 164 yards after the catch and 488 before the catch. So uh, why don't we talk about Hunter Henry a little bit? He kind of did step up as one of their red zone targets while Mike Williams struggled uh, 10 red zone targets in his 12 games for uh, 7 catches and 3 touchdowns. So, he's got some big playmaking ability. He's very athletic. Obviously, we saw his uh his early season or his early career being derailed due to injuries, but he looks like he's back. He looks like he's ready for a full season, and he's a difference maker for them. You talked about top 10 tight end. I'd probably go even a little bit further. Uh, you know, Gronkowski coming in the picture, he's probably not going to be a top five fantasy tight end necessarily, especially knowing that their passing offense is going to take a step back and there's so many weapons there. But I think on, a, a, on an actual NFL, you know, Skill point, he's probably top six, top seven, um, and he could easily get there in fantasy as well. But what are your thoughts on Hunter Henry uh, this season? Um, do you expect you know similar production that we can extrapolate over a 16-game season, or do you expect those numbers to take a hit a little bit?
1: Um, first, this guy got to stay healthy. He missed yeah. all of 2018, we know. Unfortunate. Uh, he missed four games last year. Came back quicker than a lot of people thought but he's only 25 years old he's he's literally he's oozing with potential if he yeah. can stay 16 game season um i know the downgrade in quarterback from rivers who love tight ends to the new guys now that they that who's who's there now um it's it's going to dwindle everybody's numbers just a little bit but if you do this guys you mentioned his his numbers from last year if you put it through a whole season um 16 games 100 he would have averaged he would have had 101 targets 73 receptions 869 yards and almost seven touchdowns uh that's a really good season he was number eight last year in tight end for tight ends if you if played a whole season he easily in the top five um uh in, in all three years that he's played at least 12 games he's been the 10th tight end the 12th tight end and the eighth tight end so if he plays a 16-game season, there is no question about it. He's in the top 10. And the first two years, there was a, a guy, uh, a, a prominent tight end. On the I think team. he was okay. He was okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, he was pretty pretty okay. I forgot his name. Well, he's, he's not that memorable. but Didn't, I think uh, he was better at basketball, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, he, play, he played at North Carolina. He was he was pretty good power forward, but, and we won't even get into him. But he was there for the first two years, and um, he was still a top 12 tight end both years. This guy – there's a lot of mouse to feed in this offense. That's why we kind of overlooked the the wide receiver depth chart. I know they drafted a couple people. We'll get into the draft. But there's a lot of mouse to feed, and there's not. we don't expect a big passing offense. So it's going to be Keenan Allen, uh, Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler. They need to be fed first before we get anywhere else. But this guy's a top-tied team top 10 tight end and he's definitely the second best red zone option on this team if they do what they did last year and and double mike williams when they get to the red zone which is probably going to happen uh frees up a lot of space for hunter henry who can average who can get six to ten touchdowns this year
0: yeah i mean when you just <clears> talk <throat> about like yards and touchdowns and overall stats i He'll probably be slightly behind Mike Williams, but when we talk about just a tight end doing that, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, Mike Williams and him fin- finish with similar yards and similar touchdowns at the end of the day, and the receptions are probably going to go more towards Henry. So, um, you know, talking about just on a per-game fantasy option, he's a stud. It's just, like you said, a lot of mouths to feed over there, and we're probably expecting that pass offense to take a step back, like we just said, Very um, bare, bare minimum, probably 100 less
1: pass attempts. And – yeah. And Tyrod Taylor, we, we mentioned it. He's not, he's not a huge risk taker. Tight ends are perfect for a guy like that. And also a rookie quarterback. Uh, we used to always say tight ends are our rookies, uh, rookie quarterback's best friend. So Hunter Henry could easily play himself into a, a more prominent role with who has a quarterback. I know rivers love the tight end uh, and they don't have him anymore, but these two guys are probably going to gravitate towards uh, more of this big body tight end and, uh, there's not many people better than him or have the potential to be better than him out there at this position.
0: And now let me just say, now, we talked about Henry's health. And if he goes down, um, this isn't one of those situations where I'm, like, clamoring and jumping into the to get the backup. You know, no, that's when we really look at Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Eckler getting a big boost. I mean, this guy gets his volume, not necessarily because of the system. And I think a lot of people might think that about the Chargers, how, you know, Antonio Gates. No, they just— happen to have two very good athletic, fantastic receiving tight ends in a row. That's not the system necessarily. Uh, It's these guys. They're just that special. So, you know, don't look for the next man up necessarily. Uh, If Henry does, if something does happen to him, look for the volume to be spread around more to Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Eckler. Um, And that, you know, that's probably how uh, I would approach that. But, you know, before we just jump into defense and then the draft and how they did, we'll just, you know, we give a quick shout out and do appreciate you guys. If you go uh, give us a follow, uh, subscribe to us all over the place. You can find us on YouTube, uh, you know, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify. We're all over the place. So it uh, means a lot to us if you can do that. And if you can follow us on Twitter, uh, I'm at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Santino at Santino Cocone, S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Uh means a lot to us guys. You know, I've been a little less active on Twitter, and that's just the telltale stages of life, man. I think we're both kind of working day jobs uh, Monday through Friday. Got some pretty long hours, and – uh, it's it's you know I've been taking the time right now Santino and I'm sure you've been doing the same with everything going on just putting the phone down a little bit getting to stay, taking a step away from the computer and uh, spending some more time with the family and loved ones you know so that's that's kind of been my approach I've been using this whole COVID 19 as like my off season uh, mm-hmm. you know kind of re- recover the body a little bit and uh, you know get in touch with those that mean a little bit more to us but. Um, we'll go right into the defense. I mean, we touched on it. We talked about it all over the place. We'll just touch on some of their big names. Obviously they have some of the best defensive ends in the league. Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, uh, both those guys combined for 18 and a half sacks last season. I, you know, between Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa, I, I'm going to go Colin coward on this one. Uh, we could say they're, they're some of the best, uh, brother tandems in the league. Some of the most destructive brother tandems in the league outside of Earl Thomas and his brother. Uh, what?
1: so what, what about, what about the Watts? Yeah, there's the Watts, though. I think uh, I think if your last name's Bosa or Watt, you're you're all automatically really good at football. Um, <laughs> it's just weird how that happens. All three are Watts probably- are good they're cut
0: from the same cloth but the whole premise of that is i wanted to just stick in a nice little earl thomas joke real fast like colin coward <laughs> did uh you know i i'm not a big colin coward fan but that was pretty funny that was pretty you got to give good television good television and that and that was good television right there radio <laughs> but uh it was fantastic but both those guys stud we talked about the corners between casey hayward chris harris two of the best lockdown corners in the league uh safety darwin james fantastic safety and then they draft kenneth murray as a linebacker just to help and they with those two signed that they had as well they look like they have some good linebacking depth as well i'm all about this defense i think they're probably a top five defense in the league overall in my opinion they struggled with some uh some some of the the rush on the ground last season they stuff uh struggled with rushing but um i think they made some they made the improvements that they needed to take a step forward in that direction i'm not going to go out and say that there'll be a top 10 rushing defense or anything like that but i think they'll definitely be better than they were last season so anything else um
1: you want (laughs) to touch on on their defense yeah, so obviously last last year we thought the Chargers were going to have a top five defense overall as well. Uh, the big thing about them, their, their past defense got even better. They were already really good, and you add Chris Harris Jr., it's you only get better. Um, and then, like you mentioned, they have two people who can really get off to the quarterback. And if they're healthy enough and they stay healthy, that's one thing. Lockdown corners and getting off to the quarterback. You don't want to play behind from this team if they're fully healthy. Um, but they, yeah. Struggling against the run last year, they tried to address it. They added Linval Joseph, big body, really good defensive uh, tackle right there. And then they added Nick Vigil and and Kenneth Murray in the draft. So I think they're going to be, hopefully, they're better against the run. Uh, if they can control the ball, have have a slight lead, force teams to pass, that's when they're going to make their money. And then this team will be one to be reckoned with if that's the case, because they'll be able to get after the quarterback and force turnovers. And they have lockdown corners. And I don't want to go against them, especially in a bad a bad team. Bangles week one. If you play a Bangle, I don't, I don't know how you could do that. <laughs> yeah, Chargers defense seems like a lock
0: for just uh one of probably the, one of the most expensive and maybe it's not. And maybe that's something that we can keep an eye on because the Joe Burroughs factor, maybe they think like, oh you know, he's a good quarterback coming in <laughs> here. We he could carve him up. But uh no, the Chargers will probably be one of my favorite options for DFS in week one, I think. Their defense yeah. is just gonna yeah, you know, we're talking talk about a guy with little off season to prepare, doesn't really know the offense, rookie guy coming in against some of the best secondary. Uh this has pick no six weapons. written all over him. Yeah. <laughs> pick six is written all over over this that or Joe Mixon's gonna have a busy day. It's probably gonna be one yeah. or the other. Uh, but you know, I, I I think we touched on the defense enough. They're gonna be lights out. They're gonna be fantastic. Um no reason to shy away from them and as far as season long guys gravitate towards them. Uh, we'll go right into the draft. Uh you know pretty good draft overall I think. You know, we we've seen them focus on a lot of skill positions. Um, and that's mostly because I touched on it earlier in 2021, they're expecting a lot of guys to come off the books and go elsewhere when, you know, getting in there in age. Um, so they're going to expect a lot of these guys, I think, from this draft and the next draft to kind of step up and take take a hold of some of those positions. But uh, first round, they had two picks. Uh, Justin Herbert overall and then Kenneth Murray, linebacker, 23rd overall, touched on both those guys a little bit. Murray's probably going
1: to be used in several packages. Uh, do you expect him to start? Uh, I, I think he's gonna start. Uh, yeah. It's it's very hard because this off season is so much different than a normal off season, and he doesn't have the playbook yet. Maybe he falls behind and uh, doesn't start. But any other any other season, I would I would say this guy's gonna start from day one.
0: Yeah, and that that was kind of my take on it as well. I thought that he, you know, looking at the depth chart, he'll probably he'll probably be starting at some point or another. Uh, may not be right off the rip, but he's gonna be used in plenty of packages, and he's gonna find his way on the field more often than not. I think. <laughs> Uh, then we'll go to the fourth. They didn't have a second and they didn't have a third round pick goes to the fourth round. Josh Kelly, you touched on him earlier. Anything else you wanted to add about him? I'm honestly not too clear about him. I read up on him a little bit. Um, and just simply doesn't, nothing really pops off the page as far as explosiveness or game changing ability or anything.
1: He was just a solid productive back in college. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a solid complimentary back. I don't think he's going to take over Austin Eckler this year but if he plays himself into a decent role if Justin Jackson um, struggles again and and Josh Kelly looks good when he's on the field he'll get some carries but uh, he's not someone you're going to actively target unless there's an injury maybe you in season long leagues you want to stash him in case uh, Eckler's body can't hold a full season's grind and then you get a, a guy who's going to be 1a or 1b but uh, in a full health fully healthy offense he's not really someone I expect to make a big impact year one.
0: Yeah, and even when you talk about a handcuff, it's probably Justin Jackson first. And then if some, Jackson struggles, falls on his face, gets hurt, uh, then we can start talking about Kelly. But um, not even going to sniff mm-hmm. third down roll just with Eckler there. Neither one of them, Jackson yeah. or him, will sniff the third down. So there's really no reason to kind of have Kelly on your radar this early, um, unless you're talking about like Dynasty stuff. But we're not doing that. <laughs> um <laughs> the fifth round, uh Joe Reed. I know a guy that you're kind of excited to talk about. So I'm gonna pass the torch over to you because I think you know a little bit more about him than I do. Uh one of the uh you know two receivers that they took uh in
1: the draft. So why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, so again, this offense is not gonna feed many mouths. So uh him and we'll get to KJ Hill after, but these guys have some talent, but I don't expect him to produce in year one because this offense is not an offense that's going to have three, four wide receivers produce consistently. But Joe Reed's a speed guy. Uh, they have Mike Williams. This is probably he, he's faster than Mike Williams. Uh, he's a playmaking guy. He could bust out big plays from all over the field, and he could line up multiple positions. He could play. Uh, he could line up on the outside. He can line up in the slot. He can line up in the backfield. Uh, so he is a multi-dimensional talent and he's an athletic guy with a ton of speed. So I I do like his future prospects, but again, this year it's just, it doesn't look like it's in the cards for who they have at quarterback. Um, And we mentioned their defense. Uh, Phillip rivers had 20 interceptions last year and eight fumbles. Tyrod Taylor does not throw that many interceptions and he does not fumble like that. So they're not going to be put into bad situations where they're going to have to play and then have a guy like Joe Reed go out there and, and make, throw or run a bunch of routes and make big plays for them. I see that a lot less this year. Um, Very good talent, but not someone I'm looking at. Yeah,
0: I think that's probably the best example and perfect thing you could say. Uh, We're seeing a lot of these speedster guys go a little higher in draft, and this was a loaded receiver draft, so he's a fifth-round pick. Um, You know, we could have probably seen him be like a third or a fourth in, in, in another year, but I think everyone's out there looking for those speed guys trying to find the next Tyreek Hill. Uh, just yeah. seeing a big play guys and, you know, they're few and far in between a lot of those, you know, speed guys necessarily don't have the same hands as Tyree Killen. And I think that's one of the most underrated things that people don't mention about him is that he does have great hands as well. It's not just a fast guy that, and he has pretty crisp routes. Um, I also don't have Patrick course. Mahomes. Yeah, that <laughs> helps. I guess that helps a little bit. Uh, Tyron Taylor's pretty close to now, nah. um, sixth round with 186 overall, Alohi, Alohi. I love saying the name either way, uh, Gilman safety. Um, depth guy right now i mean they got darwin jones right now and he's just an absolute stud as well so i'm not expecting uh you know to see anything much out of besides depth uh from him anything you want to say about him before we just keep it moving this is sixth round pick once uh, you get to the sixth and seventh round we're not gonna have much to yeah. say at this point
1: on a stacked secondary uh, he's just a yeah. depth option and future prospect
0: seventh round 220 kj hill you were just talking about him uh, probably gonna be behind reed but some exciting factors
1: to talk about as far as his playmaking ability yeah, so he, he's not more of a not as necessarily a playmaker, but he's a big possession guy. Kind of in the best case scenario, you you have your second Keenan Allen when Keenan Allen either moves on or uh, if he gets hurt. But I don't expect he's not a big red zone guy. He's not going to score a ton of touchdowns. He's not going to blow the lid off defenses. He's not speedy. Um, he's not he's not going to make those big plays. But he is a solid possession guy who gets open. He runs really good routes. Um, again, not someone I'm looking at this year unless there's a bunch of injuries because. You just can't feed that many mouths on an offense that's not gonna play like that. But he could potentially, best case scenario, turn into a Keenan Allen in a couple of years. Uh, so that's something to to look forward to. Yeah, a couple of years. 2021 uh, is <laughs> 20, 20, not too far away. Um, so we,
0: you know, we're gonna see some some things change. I think that year. But uh, I think that's all we have. And look at that, 57 minutes, Santino. Right on the nose, pretty much. So that gives us another two, three minutes to do our little outro. Uh, Maybe I'll take a jab real quick before we get off air. That way you have no time to respond. Something something really fast like that. But uh, if you guys are (laughs) listening and and you're not already a member of our discord, uh, I would say, you know, try it out, guys. Jump in right now. We're freezing accounts. Uh, We're not charging anybody for any of the content and just our good overall banter that you get to pick up in our discord um You know we have our nice fun contest going on on a nightly basis, so it's they're competitive, and I would say jump in them, take your chance, and then once uh baseball, basketball, football season kick back up when that does happen, we'll be producing some lineups, some cards, some great content, and really looking forward to that man because it seems yeah. like we're getting closer and closer, yet we're still getting pushed a little further and further away, but uh
1: I'd, hopefully soon. I really around. want them to doing these sims. Uh... There's really, there's some rhyme or reason, but most of it is 90% is just kind of stupid in The Sims, to be honest with
0: you. I I get it, the same. Real sports.
1: I'm, a, I'm not a big
0: fan of the simulation games either, just because it takes away my edge. Um, you know, it's random. Uh, let's be real. I can't look into any of the, you know, player matchups. I can't look into anything about pace or any, none, none of that matters. It's basically all just uh, statistics as what you're doing in probability when you're playing Sims. It's a very, very probability-driven kind of uh, kind of oriented game. Um, you're going by the chances and odds of this guy having a you know, game with 30 or 40 or more points, as opposed to trying to pinpoint those games where you can get the 30 or 40 or more points, which is what I like to do. So that's all we have for you guys. Uh, I'll be back on tomorrow. Uh, pretty excited. Um, of course, I'm always unprepared when it comes to the schedule. So Santino, I don't know if you have it in front of you. Uh, if you don't, just look forward to a nice podcast tomorrow, guys. Uh, it'll be football wow. again. <laughs> no, I'm
1: busy. I'm not on. Yeah, write I down, write down who I'm on and when
0: I'm on, uh, who I'm on with. Wouldn't be a show with us if we didn't pull off <laughs> rails at the end. So uh, we'll end it right there, right on the hour mark. But we'll be back tomorrow. I know I have a show, guys. So I will be prepared, and it will be a good show. Uh, but that's all we have for you guys. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your weekend. If it's beautiful where you are, and go outside and enjoy it. Because uh, I think uh, it, it looks like the sun's breaking, and that's what I'm, lo- I'm going to do right now, Santino. So we'll talk to you later, guys. Thank you.